This episode is sponsored by Frontend Masters. They have a terrific lineup of live courses you can attend either online or in person. They also have a terrific backlog of courses you can watch, including JavaScript The Good Parts, Build Web Applications with Node.js, AngularJS In-Depth, and Advanced JavaScript. You can go check them out at frontendmasters.com. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a 1,000 tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A. bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $1,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the JavaScript Jabber link, you'll get a $2,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash JavaScript Jabber. Let's face it, bookkeeping is hard, and it's not really what you're good at anyway. Bench.co is the online bookkeeping service that pairs you with a team of dedicated bookkeepers who use simple, elegant software to do your bookkeeping for you. Check it out at bench.co slash JavaScript Jabber for 20% off today. They focus on what matters most, and that's why they're there. Once again, that's bench.co slash JavaScript Jabber. This episode is sponsored by Wrangle.io. Wrangle.io is putting on a free webinar that introduces Angular 2 components. It will be April 25th from 12 to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. To sign up, go to javascriptjabber.com slash wrangle. That's javascript.com slash R-A-N-G-L-E. Welcome, everybody, to uh, JavaScript Jabber. Uh, we are live at ng-conf this week on our panel. Uh, we'll just go down the line and have everyone introduce themselves real quick, and then uh, we'll get started. Go ahead, Joe. I'm Joe, one of the organizers of ng-conf. I'm Dave Smith. I'm Charles Maxwood. I'm Mike Lukowski, one of the founders of RethinkDB. <sighs> I'm Jameson. I'm out of breath because I just crowd-surfed up to the stage. Sorry. <laughs> I'm Amy Knight. <laughs> All right, so we are talking this week about Horizon, correct? That's right, yeah, Horizon. You want to give us a quick rundown for people who don't know what it is? Absolutely. So it's important to first say this is a new project from the RethinkDB team. I think you guys had my co-founder Slava on JS Jabber a couple episodes back. And just for those folks who don't know what RethinkDB is, it's an open source database that's really great for building real-time apps. It allows you to subscribe to streams on queries, and it makes it much easier to build things like Google Docs or Slack, anything where like lots of clients are connected and talking to each other in real time. And so we have a lot of users who are building with Rethink today, and they're building like amazing applications, and they come to us with lots of questions and problems, and a lot of them are trying to figure out how to build a real-time app or a JavaScript app, you know, even simpler than it is today, because right now, if you want to get started, you want to build, like, a JavaScript app, there's a lot of work just to get up and running with, like, Angular or React or anything else you want to play with. you got to go through, like, a whole ton of steps. you got to figure out how to build your backend. you got to figure out how to, how to write code to be able to get data from your database or from someplace, you know, in, into your browser. And so, basically, Horizon is this new project and it's built on top of Rethink. It uses RethinkDB's two properties, which is linear scale, because you can scale out linearly nodes, you can grow clusters, and you can push real-time updates from RethinkDB. And what it is is a complete, open, real-time backend, open source, that runs on your laptop, or you can deploy it to the cloud. And it comes with a database, a backend, all the things you need. You can connect to it from your browser. It's a standalone server. And start writing your React or Angular app with no backend code. 
You can get from zero to 60, and then when you're ready to, to start writing back-end code, it's a series of Node.js modules you can then hook into like your Express or Koa or Hoppy stack. And what it does is it tries to take every problem that people try to solve when building real-time apps or JavaScript apps. Things like, how do I get data out? How do I like authenticate users? Identity, access control, uh, session management, all the issues that people kind of just keep writing over and over, all the boilerplate code. And it tries to abstract it away into convenient modules that you're able to use in your app. And so you can get started with this backend with no backend code whatsoever. Just write it from, straight from the browser. And then when you're ready to extend it, it's extensible, it's open source, it works with the Node.js ecosystem. So you said a lot of words. And yeah. In That's my head, it say. does mean open source Firebase. Is that a fair comparison? It's, it's a fair comparison. So it feels a lot like open source Firebase. Like it like runs on your laptop. It gives you a backend that you can connect to from your browser. But it's more than just Firebase because Firebase and other services like them, backends as a service, um, as developers, when you have an API that limits what you can do, like it limits what you can build in your app. And so at some point, people grow past the bounds we can do with a backend as a service. And so because Horizon is both a complete backend server, so it runs like Firebase, you can connect to it. But also, it's a bunch of Node.js modules. You can then extend it, and you can write custom backend code, and you can take it beyond what you could do with, the, with, with just a backend as a service. Sure. So you can still access the database. You can still use any Node module you want to work with. OK, that makes sense. So the idea is, at some point, Firebase might not I mean, you want to do something weird that Firebase doesn't support. Right. You can just like plug that into the server that you control, because it's, you're running it. It's Horizon. It's Node. That's exactly right. OK, that makes sense. Now, is that extended through something like, because you're saying Node.js plugins, so are we talking something like Express or some other framework? Or is it more along the lines of, oh, here's a really convenient way to write functions that do stuff in Horizon? No, it's just Express. It's just plain straight JavaScript and NPM modules. There's no magic about it. Okay. Uh, I'm also wondering a little bit, is there some kind of, because whenever I think about these systems, I mean, I remember CouchDB kind of did this with an HTTP interface, you know, and now we have Firebase, and everybody solves these uh, security issues, at least, and authentication issues in different ways, and some of them work really great, and some of them really don't. I'm, I'm a little curious, what is the security model around something like this to keep people from taking advantage of the fact that you essentially have a database out there that anybody can touch from anywhere in the world? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, when people started using Rethink, we had these people, like, come on GitHub, and they would open these issues, and they would ask us the question, like, I'm opening this stream from the database, and I'm doing it from the browser. And the first time that people did that, we were like, don't do that. Like, that's the, don't use the database behind a backend, right? You want to make sure that you secure access to the database. After the 50th person asked us, we were like, well, there's something here. We've got to figure <laughs> out, like, why people are asking us this. And that's where Horizon sort of stemmed from. And so, you know, you can think of Horizon as, you know, it gives you a bunch of convenient tools. But the security model is incredibly important because that's how you control access to the data from the backend. So basically, it's designed so that you can both declare security rules, like similar to something like Firebase, but it's much more sophisticated where you can actually do programmatic control, and we've been building it with the feedback from, like, we have a private developer preview right now, and there's over a thousand developers who have been building it, building it with us in private. It's at horizon.io, and we've been gone through a ton of work iterations on, like, what would be a really good security model, and the answer is that you need to make it really simple to be able to just declare this, this role needs access to this, this kind of data, and then be able to extend it so that it works with your functions. You can actually use it when writing programmatic code, because at some point, you're going to go past the bounds of what security rules can do. Right, but 
what what does the admin interface look like? Because I definitely, going back to CouchDB in particular, I mean, I had nightmares because your admin interface was through the same web interface that you were accessing everything else. And so I was always worried, okay, how do, how do you control this? Because somebody has an attack vector right there yeah. in the web interface to get at this. So is there some kind of back-end config that you give yes. it? Or a list of users? Or here's the database? Or how, how does that all go? So basically you do npm install horizon. Then you start up a project. You get a couple folders. The folders are one folder where you drop your static files in and it just runs the server off of that. Then there's a set of configuration files you can declare things like security rules that run on the back-end. There also is a web UI which allows you to do things like see the number of connected clients or interact with the Horizon backend. But it's designed so that it's secured from day one. We don't build features by the Rethink to be team. We never build features that are insecure. We always try to make sure that we build it in a way where you, know, you can expose it to the world and not have to worry about it. Right. So you set it up so that I can configure it and say, I'm the admin. And then I can actually go into this admin interface and I can add users or add roles and see all the other stuff, but that, that initial access is something that is controlled offline. Yes. Okay. So my rethink, the existing rethink DB, DB skills, which are impressive, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Am I going to be able to leverage those when working with Horizon? Yeah, so the beauty of Horizon is that our vision is that you know people are running rethink to be clusters already. A lot of people don't want to think about running a database. This is what we discovered. Like we started building databases, and then a lot of people don't want to think about what database they pick. Right? There are reasons to pick a different database. For example, in rethink DB, if you want real-time updates, it's a good reason to use rethink. Right? If you want a schema-free database, right? That's another reason to look at something like Mongo or rethink because your development practices need to change. But for a lot of people, they don't want to think about it. And so uh, for Horizon, it just kind of gives them a whole stack. But for existing RethinkDB users, what Horizon allows you to do is use it on an existing cluster, drop it on top, and now you're able to let your JavaScript developers just start building real-time apps like very quickly on top of your existing real-time data set. So an example of this is like there's a team at NASA that uses RethinkDB, and this is like one of the coolest use cases that I've heard of so far, where they're actually using it to um, track the sensors that are used on uh, spacesuits on the space station, the National Space Station, like oxygen sensors. And then they use RethinkDB to process the data in real time for their new infrastructure. And so for them, like that team, they can drop Horizon on top. And now any NASA developer who like knows JavaScript can start building dashboards and start building like apps on top of it. And this is really amazing because it democratizes access to real-time data sets. And it makes it so that if you're a small agency and you just want to build something quickly, you can get started. But if you're a large team with like lots of bits, lots of data sets, lots of tools deployed. You can use something like Horizon to allow more developers to build apps more quickly. So I'm still struggling to really understand exactly how I would put Horizon into production, but what you're describing sounds a little bit like Meteor, where it kind of puts the server between the database and the client, so you have to think less about that server piece. Is that a good comparison? That's an apt comparison. There's a philosophical difference in how Meteor approaches building JavaScript apps. If you, if you step back for just a moment and you look at how people build JavaScript apps today, there are really three patterns that people follow. One is they go and they assemble stacks off of GitHub, the mean stack, the free stack. You, know, you pick JavaScript components and try to figure out how to glue it together, usually using something like Webpack, right? something like that. The issue with that, of course, is that it's hard to get started. It's hard to like, add new tools. It's hard to figure out how to start building your app when you move past the bounds of what that basic stack gives you. Um, the second pattern is like Firebase right? or some sort of backend as a service, which dramatically removes like, all of this like uh, all the components for you so you don't have to think about it. But 
ultimately will limit if you want to grow past the bounds of what you want to build. And so Meteor, they, they, they did a really great job. They, two years ago, they set the bar for developer experience, where they tried to organize like an open source stack for how you use JavaScript. And the way they did this was to um, tightly couple a bunch of components, things like MongoDB and a bunch of Meteor components up the stack, and say, we're going to give you a really polished experience. It's going to be the way we describe that you're going to use it. It's going to be prescriptive. And it's a walled garden that you can basically build your apps inside of. But it's going to work really well and fluidly. And for a lot of people, that works well. But it doesn't really work within the, the bizarre of open source. It doesn't really work with the engine of open source developing new tools. And over time, there's been a lot of pressure for the Meteor stack to evolve. And because it's been so tightly coupled, it's hard for people to add new tools. Um, and so in contrast, Horizon, what it is, is it, it's designed so that it will work with the open source ecosystem. It still gives you a consistent stack. But it stops at the view layer. It doesn't define anything that you do in the, in the, in the view layer. So you could build like React or Angular, Cycle, View, straight JavaScript, or whatever you want to use. And the server exposes WebSockets by default. So you connect to the server via WebSockets. We're going to add adapters for things like GraphQL or Falcor, because we make no opinions about how you get data in or out. And it's more of a purpose-built tool and a convenient set of tools that allow you to basically add open source components easily. And we've already seen people extend it in really amazing ways. So this community has been building it with us for the past couple of months. Someone just released a really lovely, it's called lovely.js, in fact. But it's a really <laughs> lovely library that makes it dramatically easier to work with React. And so we expect that people will extend it in lots of really interesting ways. And they'll add, as the JavaScript community keeps innovating, keeps building new things that we're going to add it to Horizon. Does Horizon, well, you mentioned that it uses WebSockets to communicate with, between server and browser. Does it also define what the message format is for those, or is that up to the developer? So the Horizon API, it's basically a simpler version of the RethinkDB query language. The query language for RethinkDB is too powerful. It's a full programming language. You can't put that in the browser. It's, you can't do access control on it. So we basically designed an API by the same team, and it, that format is defined by us coming out of the Horizon server. But it's very easy to add adapters, like I said, for things like GraphQL, where there's no format that would map to something that WebSockets would use, right? They have their own approach towards solving these kinds of problems. And we fully expect that, like, people, we want people to, like, create different ways of getting data in and out of the back end. So we don't define anything, but we do give, like, a first-class experience if you're using the Horizon API. So I have a question. So when I was doing the boot camp, like when I got started with programming, like one of the very first things that we ever did was like hook up Firebase to our front end. So do you think that Horizon is going to be as easy to get started? as it would be if I was using Firebase? Yeah, I think it's going to be incredibly easy to get started. In fact, that's one of the big adopters we've seen. We've seen two adopters in like the getting started rapid prototyping camp. Agencies, which just need to ship new projects all the time. They don't want to deal with the hassle of like building stacks all the time. And people who are like in, in schools, like dev schools, they're like, this is exactly what we want because we can offer our developers a consistent set of tools and practices and tell them, like, we've made a Horizon stack. Maybe we added one or two components that will help you when you're learning. But it should help people adopt new technologies like React or Angular and not have to think about every single component across the stack. Not have to deal with Webpack, not have to deal with all these intricacies. Related to that, I'm wondering, as you get new people involved, I mean, one of the nice things about Firebase is the setup is I go get an account, right? Uh, with Horizon, it sounds like I, I have to go and actually get it. I have to install RethinkDB and install Horizon. Is that something that new people really can do without having a lot of experience with things like command line or NPM or some of the other package managers like Homebrew on the Mac? 
That's a very reasonable question. So we're going to offer like a pre-built package that people can just download because we already distribute RethinkDB on Homebrew as like a DMG, so you can just install it. But more importantly, we're going to have like coming out in the next couple months, we're going to have a uh, a cloud service called Horizon Cloud, which will you can run it wherever you want. You know, you can deploy it using Kubernetes, which is an amazing piece of technology, you know, or Docker, whatever you feel like doing. But we're going to offer like a very simple way to just get your Horizon app up and running. So you just type Horizon deploy, and you have this like tool that's been installed in your machine. And so, you know, if you're a novice developer, you probably should start to learn the command line, but you don't need to have brew and npm necessarily on day one. So we're going to allow people to just get started with a basic stack. But most developers these days, you know, even if they're like novices, you know, have these tools, and we want to make it sort of easy to get onboarded no matter how you get started. And with the cloud service, it'll be pretty easy to basically allow people to get the app instantly within 10 seconds, like on the cloud. Yeah, the other question that I have as far as people using it is that uh, I've been involved with people who run boot camps, not only in JavaScript for web development, but, I mean, JavaScript's kind of become, okay, now I'm going to build a desktop app with Electron, or I'm going to build a Windows app with WinJS, or I'm going to build an Xbox app with WinJS, which apparently you can do, <laughs> or I'm going to build a mobile app with NativeScript. Yeah. And so there are all of these different areas that you're working in where, yeah, it's data access, but it's not the same from one platform to the next, and your concerns change. So is Horizon something that any of these people should be able to go, boom, I set it up, and now I'm going to start using it for my application? Yeah, so JavaScript is amazing because the community has taken it to places that I would not have expected five years ago. And it's amazing because if you look in the front end, you know, we now have sophisticated tools for software architecture, things like Angular and React that think about the world using components, unidirectional data flow, right? These are like really solid principles of software engineering, right? On the back end, Node is like async, massively parallelized, really great for these kinds of apps. And so basically we're seeing it pop up, as you mentioned, like mobile, you know, in, in, in Electron apps, and Horizon will be useful in all those contexts. So we already have people who have shipped apps to the App Store on Horizon, and like we expect that like if you're building, the idea behind being able to build an app and share 80% to 90% of your code base with the desktop version and the mobile version and the web version, that's like a really beautiful vision of like how to build software because you have common code bases and the data stack should be common across them as well. And so we're adding features hopefully that will make it easier for use in a mobile context. Uh, we expect to be able to do things like push notifications and other services that services like Parse offered you know, before they, before they uh, ended. And, and so we want to be able to let those developers say, okay, what's the next thing? And I want to be able to use all this cool technology today. I'm just going to use this common stack and build it for desktop, for mobile, for web. And I expect we're going to see JavaScript go into even more exciting places. I find myself listening to your questions differently today, Chuck. There's like something about you that just makes me want to... Chuck is wearing a Jedi robe for all the people that can't see, so... I... These are not the libraries you are looking at. It's <laughs> perfect. I have a, a vague question that I hope becomes less vague as I ask it. In, in my experience, I've built some apps that have a real-time component, but the whole app is not real-time. And I can't tell if that's because I'm like an old man who isn't cooling with it and, and everything should be real-time, or... Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You can stop now. Okay. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Or is that a common pattern that you expect to see, or do you expect by making the tooling better for building real-time apps that apps will migrate more towards real-time? Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. So the, 
first of all, I do think as tooling improves, people are just going to start to use these features more readily. But it, look at Angular 2, right? So observables are an amazing bit of technology because they allow you to think about unbounded data streams and, and really deal with them in, in, with an amazing set of tools. We're a huge fan of like things like observables and re anything with reactive data, obviously, because Rethink is all about that. And Angular 2 has like observables throughout. And now people are talking about them, and now they're a staple. Similarly, promises took a little while for things to hit, but once the community sort of understood why it's valuable, everyone just started using them for everything. And so uh, between things like observables and promises as the fundamental underpinnings of like tools to work with, Horizon is all about observables. So it just uses RxJS5, and you can you have you know, the ability to use all of the observable functions as well as like higher level things from Horizon. And so I think that like as these tools get democratized, people just naturally adopt them. It's the bizarre of open source. Like people go and grab tools you would never expect, use them in ways you wouldn't expect. And then now they become like lingua franca for the web. Like now everyone's using JavaScript. What if I don't expect to have too much of a real-time need in my app? Do you think Horizon is still valuable? Yeah. Can you tell us about that use case? There are two modes for getting data out of the back end, at least in the default API. There's fetch and watch. And so watch will just open an unbounded stream. You write some query. And because RethinkDB is running under the hood, you can do really sophisticated things because the query language allows you to do things like joins or you know, distributed operations you would normally find in like a SQL database, right? So all those features sort of filter up to the horizon front end. And uh, you can just get data out with fetch, and you can open a stream where it'll just keep pushing you updates with watch. So to move from one context to the other is like really easy, and it kind of keeps developers from thinking about this. They just think, how do I expect to use this? Do I need live updates or not? And they turn it on or off. So you mentioned security, which obviously is one of the main motivations for a layer like Horizon between your database and the, and the client. When a client tries to run a watch or a fetch, how does Horizon decide whether they have access to do that? Yeah, so as I mentioned, there's basic configuration to establish you know, security rules where you can basically define roles and you can do more sophisticated templating. And so you just define, I have this type of user and they should have access to this type of data. And when the client connects, they say, I am this type of user. And they're authenticated against the backend server. But what if I have like a multi-tenant environment where it's like not just this type of data, but like these records in this table are mine and those other records are some other users? Like how does that work? Yeah, so basically people own documents and it's a, you're able to share permissions between each other. Okay. So I have one more security question. As a business person, I love the ready-made solutions, right? I don't have to develop them. I don't have to pay anybody to develop them. I don't have to spend any time on them. I just set them up and they work. But as a DevOps person and a programmer, I hate the ready-made solutions because <laughs> I have to freaking update them, right? So anything that I have running WordPress, if a new version comes out and I don't update it that day, I'm going to get hacked. I mean, it's not quite that bad, but some days it's that bad. I'll hack you. It's cool. Okay. So, so the issue is, you know, you want some sort of automatic update or you... You know, you have to keep tabs on what's going on with Horizon. So w what is kind of the update cycle on that? I mean, are you going to release on a regular basis? If there's a hot fix that I need, are you? how, how am I going to know that? So, you know, RethinkDB has spent a long time thinking about this because... 
I mean, security and databases kind of go hand in hand. You need to be extremely security conscious. So we have a very aggressive release cycle. We uh, ship security patches very quickly if they're necessary. Um, and we have like a whole process that we've gone through. RethinkDB is used in, by some of the largest institutions in the world. One of the biggest online brokerages in the world with over 25 million users runs it every day for the web and mobile apps. And they trust their security to it. And so we've worked with them because we have enterprise customers to figure out what do you actually have to do to communicate. It's not just about the technology. It's about the communication, right? And so Horizon is built by the same team. We have a similar approach. We're going to be able to post security advisories if needed, and you just update through NPM if necessary. The other nice thing is that even though Horizon and RethinkDB seem like they're separate, they can be shipped as like a complete stack. So when you have a change, rather than having to figure out, do I have to update one of five or seven components, there's one consistent environment. And this is really great for larger teams as well because, as you said, DevOps teams are like tearing their hair out trying to figure out what do we need to update. This whole product that will just scan like Docker images to figure out what are the security vulnerabilities and how to update this. So consistency helps solve this problem for large teams. Right. But is there like a security mailing list I should be on? Or does it notify you somehow? Or I'll let you know after I hack you. It's cool. <laughs> there isn't a security mailing list right now for Horizon, but because it's still in developer preview. But as soon as it's like ready to launch, we're going to ship all the things necessary for production. Okay. Chuck, I think you have a rosy view of what Homeworld tools security <laughs> is like. <laughs> if you're more worried about installed tools, then I mean, I'm going to write you an app, and it will be hackable from day one instead of when a, an exploit comes out. So. Yeah, the, a lot of times they are hackable from day one, but if it's a known exploit and it's a target that is rich with information that people want... Okay, so you're saying like Metasploit versus someone explicitly targeting you. Like someone yeah, will just port scan the internet and be like, oh, they're running WordPress 1. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, running, they're running Horizon, and so I'm going to see, okay, I'm going to attack it this way, and then I'm going try, to try and get in that way, and I'm going to see if they have weak password or this or that. You know, I mean, there's only so much you can do, but... If there's an exploit out there for an older version of Horizon, then I want to know, hey, go update the things so that people can't exploit that against you. So in RethinkDB, we solve this problem by basically every 24 hours checking if there's an update available and then pinging you as soon as it's available. So in your UI, you see a thing drop down saying, you're out of date, you've got to update this. And when you start the server, it's going to tell you this server's out of date because you shouldn't be running an out-of-date database server. It's like such a critical part of your infrastructure. And so you know, Horizon's going to have very similar facilities. We've tried to solve this problem for many years now, so I'm pretty confident that we're going to come up with something that works. It's also that security is built on trust, right? So like you use tools, like any tool you have that we... Like we download tools from NPM all the time or different projects, and we just trust that their security is good. And that may not be very well placed, right, because, you know, somebody forgets to, like, you know, to leave the password in an insecure place and suddenly everyone's hacked, right? So there's, there's been a bunch of instances with cloud services where this has happened. And I would actually argue that having it be something you can self-host if you're that security conscious, put it in a place that you care about, watch all the network activity that's happening. Like, open source sheds a light sunlight is the best disinfectant, especially for security. So it's not just that you're like trusting us, it's that you're trusting that everybody in the community is also looking at and saying what's wrong with this code? And you can't do that for most cloud services. So being open source, I think actually is a huge advantage in that respect. And then having it come from us, we're a team that knows how to do this for a long time, hopefully gives people some trust that they're going to be able to have faith in it. Chuck, if you ask another security question, I'm going to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to ask Joe. <laughs> yes. Uh, we've talked a lot about kind of how it works and what it does. We've talked about. You've managed not to scare me off. 
That's good. Um, so the next question I have is I'm kind of trying to catch the vision. I think we kind of get the idea behind RethinkDB. We, you know, we have the streams of data that we can push to. We can pull information out of. We can make requests to the API. But what I mean, what, what's kind of the grand vision? Like what am I specifically going to be thinking, oh, I want to build an app like this. You know, and maybe you can give us some examples of apps that have been built on Horizon. To-do list. <laughs> That's right, to do MVC it's with the world's right. foremost to do list. <laughs> Always a favorite. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's that kind of thing, right? What kind of result, you know, if I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to build this kind of app, or I'm going to solve this kind of problem, or I see this sort of thing going on in my app, I, I should be thinking, oh, Veri- Horizon. Not Verizon, that's something else. <laughs> Horizon is my solution. It well, is the way that I want to go. I think the important thing here, Chuck, is that this is the JavaScript community, and Horizon is young. So you should use it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That was my other question. I'm saving it. I just want to know how many different kinds of to-do apps I can build with it. That's what I want to know. <laughs> Every flavor you could imagine. All the to-do apps. <laughs> they're, they're right over the horizon, Joe. <laughs> right over the horizon. Ayo. The puns are starting. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, so to answer your questions, I mean, the easy answer is if you're building a JavaScript app right now and you don't want to deal with, like, you know, authentication, identity, like, access control, permission, session management, anything that you need to do to build an app, like, this is going to be an easier way to get started. It's going to be an easier way to continue to grow your app, and it's going to scale with you to like millions of users, because RethinkDB is running under the hood, and RethinkDB has been battle-tested by a lot of people. You know, it can scale to like 30-plus nodes easily. Teams have demonstrated running at a million ops per second in Amazon infrastructures without like breaking a sweat, and it's really great for this kind of real-time apps. The thing is that the reason why Horizon is interesting is because it allows you to use technologies you would not otherwise know how to get started with. So a lot of people building with you know, newer frameworks, things like Cycle or um, Shasta. I think you guys were talking to the Shasta guys before. All these, yep. all these projects are like, people want to get started. They don't know exactly how to get started with them. Yeah. So this makes that process easier. But fundamentally, because it's built on a real-time streaming architecture that is designed to scale to millions of users, if you're building anything with connected clients, chat, mobile, IoT, lots of connected devices talking to each other, anything where you have large amounts of data that's constantly changing, and you need to be able to figure out what's happening with it, how to react in real time. This Normally, if you're starting with Rethink, there's all this code to build on top of it. And Horizon takes that experience and raises it to the browser. So it makes the process of building these kinds of apps dramatically easier and democratizes the ability for people to build these kinds of real-time streaming connected apps. If you want to build Slack, if you want to build something today, that's a very hard problem. And with tools like this, it just makes it dramatically easier. So I'm going to get to my other question now, Dave. I'm a fan of boring technology, right? Me too. It makes my life easier because, you know, people have already proven it. They've shaken out all the bugs. They've worked out all of the ways to use it. You know, I don't, I don't have to be that adventurous, and I can pretty much count on it doing what it says it's going to do on the tin. So this feels like something new. I mean, Rethink's been around for a few years, but, you know, Horizon is a, is a new-ish thing. So is this something I just need to get over and try it, or is this not for the faint of heart quite yet? That's a good question. So Horizon is brand new. In fact, it's been in developer preview, and we started building it like at the beginning of this year. It's, and if, it turns out that JavaScript is a little bit easier to write than databases. right? So like <laughs> our teams are building RethinkDB, and we shipped a new release of Rethink every six to eight weeks. So we have an extremely fast, like rapid iteration cycle. Mm-hmm. And we've, we have a polished team that just knows how to build software incredibly well. And I say that because they're way better than I am at building software. Like I would not 
touch building like the lower levels of everything to be. And at this point, like the code base goes from assembly all the way to JavaScript, right? So Horizon, we built it very quickly. We also had a lot of huge contributions in the community. So it's moving extremely quickly. If you're faint of heart, wait a month, maybe. And by then, we're going to be shipping it to the public. And you'll be able to know that it's being used by some of the best teams out there. Because there are like already banks and like large institutions that are experimenting with it. And they're not really faint of heart about it because most of the heavy lifting is done by RethinkDB. Horizon is like a thin JavaScript layer, and that's pretty easy to, to test and figure out how what, what works and what doesn't. If I wait a month, will it be legacy? <laughs> well, it's JavaScript, it so been, you know. I've been burned before. Yeah. So, so our goal is basically, like, the JavaScript world moves so quickly. Everyone has framework fatigue. It's really hard to figure out, like, what to look at next because it's, like, almost like this, like, sporadic change of, of technologies. And Horizon is, like, a, it's, a, it's an attempt to, to try to slow that down and to give you something that you can rely on that you can then add your experimental technology on top if you want to play with it. I heard that you've um, already announced version 2. Two, but it won't be out for two years. <laughs> in, in the past two minutes. I'll yeah, propose exactly. Joe. <laughs> it's in the age of NPM, right? We're just shipping releases nonstop. Yeah. So I have an ops question. One of the things my team has struggled with is that we want redundancy in our web app, and we have back end and we have front end, but it's kind of hard to manage deployment when you have redundancy because you ship new code here, and then it makes a request, and then that request ends up getting routed back to the load balancer to some server that doesn't have the new code yet, and now it's like, oh crap, 404, or something like that. Does Horizon help solve that problem? Yeah, we, we plan to solve that problem because if you're shipping like new versions of your app constantly, versions 2, version 3, version 4, every two minutes. You know, you want to be able to do rolling application upgrades. You want to be able to phase out versions of your app over time. And so basically, you know, we're building... It's a little bit hard to do it in Horizon itself because that's an ops question, not a development question. But Horizon Cloud is a service that will basically support all these things. You can do it yourself by using open source tools like Kubernetes and building a lot of custom code. But Horizon Cloud would be a very easy way to ship new versions of your code, new versions of your app, uh, do rolling backups, like all the things you need to be able to make sure that you don't have to deal with any ops headaches. All right. Well, we need to get to picks. Uh, we have to get over before there's a speaker. But anyway, I'm really looking forward to Angularizing. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get to picks. <laughs> Joe, why don't you start us off with picks? Well, since we're here at a conference, I want to be a little conference-oriented in my picks. So I'm going to miss out this year on that conference, which is actually the oh. name of the conference. That's like a tradition for you, It right? is. It totally is. This is the first year I've missed it for like three years. So I'm really oh. dis disappointed to, miss it, to be missing it. So I'm going to pick that conference. I'm also going to pick Angular Connect, which is coming up this fall with more Angular cool. goodness in London. Awesome place to go and visit. Just, I don't want to live there. It's too rainy. Too rainy. <laughs> and uh, finally, I want to pick React Rally, which is an awesome React conference oh. done by James. I've been Dance. scooped. Our very own James. You have been duped. I stole some thunder here. Uh, I've been to React Conference, right? React Conf, and I've been to React Rally. And I won't publicly state which one I enjoyed more. Ooh. I'm going to hint very subtly that uh, React Rally is awesome. Coming up in August? August, yep. August 25th and 26th. And tickets? I will tell you more when it's my turn to pick. All right. Thank you. There we go. Those are my picks. Go ahead, Dave. All right. I have one pick for you today, and it is a almost brand new podcast hosted by none other than Jameson Dance and some other guy. Oh, it's me. It's Dave. <laughs> and the name of the podcast is Soft Skills Engineering, and it's, to our knowledge, the only podcast that's about development but not about technical stuff. It's about, like, social skills, titles, organization stuff. Right, Jameson? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think we talked about... What did we talk about last time? Titles and like um, pressure in a development team. And how to onboard new engineers. Yep, all that kind of stuff. Uh, organizational processes. Stuff Anyways, there's like so much stuff in this space, and uh, people have been telling us a lot. Like, it's super valuable. In fact, I was walking in the front door of the conference of this morning, and they were like, hey, you're, you did soft skills engineering. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, one of our three listeners is here right now. So Soft Skills Engineering, subscribe on iTunes or uh, Pocket Cast or wherever you get your podcasts. You heard it right here, folks. They're uh, world famous. <laughs> All right. Um, I've just got one pick that I'm going to share here, and that is May the 4th. And uh, <laughs> if you can actually see, I don't know if they're doing a video of this or not, but uh, if you get to see this, you can see that I'm in a Jedi robe. It looks uh, awesome. I mean, it's just, it's, it's an opportunity to just have some fun, uh, get out and kind of make people smile. I've seen people smile at me all over the conference and it's just because it's different. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fun day. You know, just go out and do something fun with people you care about, you know, for the next May the 4th. And by fun, you mean force choke people, right? <laughs> I tried. It didn't work. <laughs> All right, Michael, what are your picks? Uh, so first, I didn't mention it before, but if you want to sign up for the developer preview, my pick would be to go to horizon.io to be able to sign up and get involved with the project. But I, I'll always love the Jay's Jabber picks because I find like cool like bits of culture in some of the... And so I wanted to share one of my favorite books that I, I always... It's the kind of book I give to a lot of people. Um, and it's called The Art Spirit. It was written by an art professor, an artist himself named Robert Henri from like 1880 to 1920. I want to say he lived in that time period. Now that's and, legacy. Yeah. And, and he's, uh, he's uh, gave a set of lectures and essays on what it means to create art. And software is a vehicle for ideas and art is a vehicle for ideas. Like art is very important to us at RethinkDB because it allows us to represent ideas and to share what it means for, to be building software. Um, and so this book, it's the kind of book where you read it and you wake up at 3 a.m. and the words are in your head. So I would urge anybody, if you care about your craft, if you want to find some, if you're, if you're feeling a little bit low and you need to find some way to be inspired, uh, go read The Art Spirit. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a really special experience. Man, now I feel so uncultured. <laughs> Jameson, what are your picks? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just writing down The Art Spirit. I have, uh, let's call them three picks. So the first one is the, the second half of what Joe said. NGConf is awesome, and I'm really glad to be here, and I'm in no way trying to say, like, ooh, I'm better. But, but I do run a tech conference. It's called React Rally, um, about React in August in Salt Lake City, and tickets are on sale now at reactrally.com, and it's a really good time. I'd love to see you there. My other pick is, it's an article that came out a week or two ago called Uncanny Valley. It's basically a, an essay by a woman who worked at a tech company in Silicon Valley and maybe more than any other article I've read, it captures like the, the coolness and the weirdness of being in that culture where it's all about, you, you can't just do your job, right? You have to like water slide into the office and then like segue your way up to your, to your desk and I don't know. Uh, there's just some really weird stuff that you don't really notice until you back off. So I love that article. And then my last pick is, I think I'm just going to pick Kishibashi. It's an artist who makes awesome music. Yes, Kishibashi is amazing. Oh, nice. Yeah. Now you know it's good because Michael agrees. Those are my picks. <laughs> okay, I have to look here. I have like a running list of things that I write down as I find them. Uh, and this is one I think would be fitting for today because I am uh, sitting in a room full of Angular developers uh, writing React right now. But it is a blog post, and you're going to have to check the show notes for this because it's a really long URL here. But... It's just about criticizing programming languages, so I think it is worth three. I think I just had somebody recommend that one to me the other day. So. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So anyway, interesting. But yes, it's very, very interesting. So yeah. Yep. I'll back you up on that one. 
All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show. Um, thank you to our live audience. Thanks, everybody. Yay. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Do you wish you could be part of the discussion on JavaScript Jabber? Do you have a burning question for one of our guests? Now you can join the action at our membership forum. You can sign up at javascriptjabber.com slash jabber, and there you can join discussions with the regular panelists and our guests. 